0: But right now, I want to go to Leviticus chapter 1, verse 3. Hopefully, you have your Bibles with you, and you're going to let the baker bake here in a few moments. Amen. Leviticus 1, verse 3. This is going to be a strange passage, but it's, in my opinion, it's one of the most beautiful passages in your Bible. And that's a bold statement, because there's a lot of beautiful passages in the Bible. But if you are a Bible nerd, you're going to find that Leviticus is a weird book. But it's not supposed to be. You'll find that Leviticus is right in the middle of their Bible. They only had five books in their Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And look where Leviticus is positioned, right in the middle of their Bible. Guess what's at the middle of that book? There's one word at the middle of that book, atonement. At the center of their book of Leviticus, which is at the center of their Bible, is one book. And if you understand Jewish culture, they don't put their punchlines at the end of a sentence, they put it in the middle. And they build around the punchline. So the punchline of their Bible is atonement. If you want to know the point, the overarching theme, the extreme passion, the punchline of God's passion, it's to make us at one with Him. There it is. If you're looking for anything else extravagant, if you want some cool point. I've got nothing else for you but the blood of Christ today. Amen? And let's read about it. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice to the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. He shall kill the bull before the Lord and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around on the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall skin the burnt offering, cut it into its pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priests, shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire. Then the priest, Aaron's son, shall lay the parts, the head, and the fat in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash its entrails, that's the guts, and its legs with water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire. And here's the last thing. You wouldn't expect it. In the midst of all that gruesome detail, would you listen to this part? A sweet aroma to the Lord. Who would have ever imagined that this would end like that? That all these details of just dismantling a precious lamb that did nothing wrong, and it would end with, oh, it'll be sweet. Who would have expected I want to minister today, and this is not going to make sense until we really dig into the meat of this passage, but I want to preach to you today, Instagram altars. Instagram altars. This was never supposed to be pretty, (laughs) y'all. It was never supposed to get likes. It was never aesthetically pleasing. There was no filter on this. This was supposed to be ugly. Would you lift up your hands? Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm so thankful for your word. Your word is so profound, deeply spiritual. Your word is begging that we would dig into it and see your great passion for us. I believe your word is capable to heal us, to remove all condemnation, to draw us nearer to your face. Father, the more I read your word, the more I see that you had a plan from the very beginning and that plan was to get me so close to you. And God, how can I resist you when I consider that sweet aroma that you became on my behalf? God, I will offer my body a living sacrifice because you offered yours first. God, I want to draw nearer to you. Your word teaches me how. God, I believe that your word will draw all of us in this room here today at this very moment closer to you than we have ever been. God, I'm going to put my faith in that reality right there, that God, people in this room will be closer to you after this service than they have ever been. They're going to trust you on a deeper level than they've ever trusted you. Father, I give you glory for that, for I know that that will take place in this service, and I give you credit for it. Now, it's not going to be because of my preaching. It's going to be because I'm just telling them your word that's already been preached. So, Father, I give you praise and honor and glory, for you're the father of all, and these are your children, and you're going to draw them close to the throne today, in the precious name of Jesus we give you praise. Would you give him praise and honor right now? Would you clap your hands for him? Not a message, not a preacher, but would you clap your hands for the King of Kings, for the only one that is really worthy. The only reason we're here today is for him. Let's praise him for just a few moments of time. In Jesus' name, look at somebody and say, Gloria a, Gloria a Dios. You learned a Spanish phrase. I don't know Spanish, I'm just tricking y'all. This passage, obviously, as we just found out, describes in extreme gruesome detail the process that is required in order to be at one with God. Hence, the title given to this practice was mentioned in verse 4, Atonement. The word atonement was not even an English word until William Tyndale tried to interpret the Hebrew word kefer into English. And he said, I have no English word to fully explain what this really means. All I know is the concept of the word kefer. It means to become one with him through a gruesome, bloody sacrifice. And he made up an English word out of three words, at one and to the casual churchgoer Leviticus would be considered rated R and not suitable for children as it may contain scenes that some viewers find disturbing it baffles the Christians. It baffles even many preachers who strive to be more seeker-friendly and are trying to make sure that we don't embarrass those of you who have invited guests. We try to stray away from these strange, archaic passages because you did a lot of work this week inviting your friend, and we don't want to embarrass your friend, and so many people stray away from passages such as these, and we try to apologize for the gruesome details that are outlined within this passage because we fear that it's going to make the righteous somehow blush and make the guests seem like we're crazy but if Jesus says drink my blood eat my flesh and it runs off 500 people then who in the world did I ever think I was that I could pretty up somehow the passage that Moses didn't speak but God spoke God was the one who said this to Moses Moses is just hearing and repeating what he is having revelation of. It is purposefully bloody. It is vividly gruesome. It is unapologetically messy. And it's of the utmost importance that we understand that God spoke it. It's not a preacher. It's not some some strange, mean Moses that just wants to get to the bedrock and the meat of the details and is saying just archaic and gruesome things. God is the one who is saying it. And God wants us to know to take a humble lamb and do all of these terrible atrocities to it. And we should sit there. You're supposed to be bothered by this. You're supposed to look at this and say the Lamb did nothing wrong. We're the ones who bowed to the graven image in Exodus. We're the reason why we can't go into the most holy place. We're the reason the glory fell on the tabernacle and Moses was pushed out. Why is the Lamb getting all of this? I deserve all of that. It's supposed to upset you. It's supposed to bother you. And if you're bothered by a lamb, then you should be even more bothered by what the lamb will ultimately represent later. This passage, when taken out of the greater context of the Bible, I admit can read as archaic at best and barbaric. At worse because of the brutality that is described the reason for these gritty details was to paint a vivid bright picture on your mind of a messy blood-covered altar not some Instagram worthy make it pretty enough put a filter over it make sure everybody likes it make sure I get plenty of followers this was never the intention those that can see it will follow me those that appreciate that the lamb did nothing wrong will follow me I'm not gonna pretty this up so that everybody follows me only those that appreciate the fact that there was a substitute on your behalf will follow me those that truly appreciate that the lamb did Nothing wrong and he's taking the beating on your behalf will follow me. I'm not going to pretty this up to get false followers. I'm going to make it as ugly as it should be so that I can get real followers. I don't want some pretty, neat, little aesthetically pleasing altar. And to fully grasp the reason for statements such as kill the bull and skin the burnt offering, wash the guts, we need to see what life was like before the need of atonement. In the beginning, there was a place that was, as we would call it, Instagram-worthy. Because of its aesthetic, its perfection, its pleasing nature, its beauty. The pure desire of God is on full display when he constructs a place in Genesis with the distinct intention of dwelling with mankind. God didn't just come down here and speak into the cosmos and create beauty because he was bored. God wasn't just flexing his artistic capabilities. We see that he is infinitely creative through creation. But what we see is that God wanted to dwell with someone. And he creates beauty and wonder to show us his creative mind, to show us how beautiful his mind really is. But that is not the reason God didn't just want to have aesthetics and pleasing nature in the garden. What truly pleased him and the reason why he called it the Hebrew word Eden or Eden, that word means pleasurable. The reason why he called it that was because we were there with him. Can you prove that to me? Absolutely. Your Bible proves it in Psalm 149. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, and he will beautify the meek with salvation. We are what is pleasing to him. It's not because there's beautiful flowers. It's not because of the parrots colors. It's not because of the beauty and wonder in creation. It's not because of the coral reefs that I call this place pleasing. It's because I made something in my image that's here with me. That's what I love about this place. It's pure. It's beautiful. I get to talk with you. I get to walk with you. I get to come and share wisdom with you. I get to see you take that wisdom and go live out that wisdom and it pleases me as my children start acting like Daddy, I love having you here in this place. So I will call our relationship Eden. It's pleasing to me. And this is the condition, the day-to-day conditions of humanity. Genesis 2.25 says, And both of them were naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. The word naked here means uncovered. Humanity was completely, fully laid bare before God. They were vulnerable. They were honest. They were transparent. There was nothing hidden from God. And what we do today is, if you're truly honest, we love wearing clothing because it covers up the things we hate about ourselves. We are embarrassed about ourselves. That's why we have a whole subculture within America right now called weight shaming because we're ashamed and there's this whole movement of this is my body this is what i look like but we're really embarrassed about what we look like and so we try to doctor it up my dad he's he's been going bald since he was 30 and i get my genetics from him and so that's what he does he's he's going to doctor up the front all he can and my mom looked at him she goes john you're bald stop trying to cover he's like yeah but i can't see the back (laughs) he said i'm trying to doctor up the front because that's what i'm looking at This is what we do. This is why Instagram is such a successful platform. But did you know that the original picture that you take in the Instagram, it is still filtered even though you didn't put a filter on top of it? That's the way they've tricked you in the algorithm. By putting the unfiltered pictures next to all of the filtered options, they make you think that the one without a filter is what you really look like. Did you know that? Because they know you won't post a picture of yourself unless you like what you see. And so they've doctored up with an algorithm and with artificial intelligence what you actually look like, but because there's no filter on the original picture, you look at yourself and say, man, I look better than I thought. Newsflash: we're uglier than we think we are, and Instagram's been lying to us. But they know we won't post the truth because we don't like the truth, and we look at it and say, boy, it's not even filtered. That's the real me. That's not the real you. And so they know. We, I was a student pastor for 12 years. I watched young people. If their picture didn't get enough likes within an hour, they would take it down because they thought to themselves, they don't like this picture. It's not Instagram worthy. And so you see people. They'll do their little Bible devotions. They'll put their Bible there, their cup of coffee. They'll put it by the window with the light coming in. They'll have a plant in the corner, and they'll post daily devotion. That's not even real. You doctored that up. <laughs> You don't have to post when you read the Bible, by the way. You can just have a private relationship with God. Just newsflash. But that's not the condition that existed in the garden. They were naked, and they said... This is what we are before the eyes of God. This is, this is us. We are naked and we're not ashamed by it. This pleasing relationship where they were completely laid bare before God is fractured by sin. And the moment sin entered the picture, they looked at themselves and they said, Oh my goodness, this isn't good. This is hideous. This is ugly. And so what did they do? They grabbed the closest thing near them that God called good. The trees were declared as good by God. God likes that, so let's put it on to make him happy with us. Let's put on something he thinks is good so that he'll think I'm good. Newsflash, he liked you when you were laid bare. You, that's where the first man-made religion was made. Now let me pause. There's a whole subculture out there doing this whole give me relationship, not religion. Religion's in the Bible, by the way, and it says pure religion, undefiled before God is this. Religion's not the problem. It's the way you distort it is where the problems have come in. And what you do is you declare something, well, this is, this is what God finds pleasing, and you put it on, but you don't even believe it. You're just trying to look better. This is what's going to make God love me more. I'm going to pray for six hours because that's what's going to make him like me more but you're not even in the prayer. You don't even have the heart of prayer. You you lift up your hands because it feels like worship. You say, this is what makes him happy. No, have a true heart of worship. You know how you do? You recognize that the lamb did nothing wrong and you did, and yet he died on your behalf. That's when your hands go up with true worship, and you say, God, I deserved everything that you took on my behalf. You see, what we're doing is we're, we're lifting the spiritual lens up, and we're putting the camera up and saying, if I don't show him my double chin, he'll be happier with me if I fast enough he'll like me more if I pray enough I'll be special because we have an endemic in our nation of insecurity and we have somehow absorbed all of the cultural things into our spirits and we're doing it in the spirit realm what we do in the natural realm is like well if I doctor up the picture people will like it more and somehow that is prophesied to our spirits that in the spirit realm we say well if I do this 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 and that he'll like me more as well And by doing so, we have lost true repentance. Because this is what we do. We come in and we do exactly what Adam and Eve did. God asks them a question. God is going to counter because he is truth. He's going to counter the question of the adversary. All the devil did was ask a question, by the way. If you're you're looking, if you're trying to discern the Antichrist and you're saying, okay, the Antichrist is going to be this evil dude. No, he's not. He's going to be the most reasonable voice in the end time hour. You understand this, right? You're supposed to be discerning reasonable, not evil. He always comes cloaked in reasonable. Has God said? Has God God really said? You know, the, the fruit's perfectly fine. He called it good. That's not evil. That's reasonable. The adversary came to Jesus and he says, Well, if thou be the son, if you're really God's son, It's perfectly reasonable to eat some bread. Eating bread's not a sin. Turn the stone into bread. That's not evil. That's reasonable. And the adversary came and asked a reasonable question, and Adam and Eve fell for it because they didn't know what to discern. God is going to come behind him and ask a question as well. And when the devil asks a question, it always results in one thing, condemnation. His desire for the question is to drive you away from God. When God asks a question, it's always trying to result in confession. One is condemnation. One is confession. Confusion, confession. When God asks that question, he wants to hear us say what we did and so we can draw near to him. Here, there is no condemnation in him. He asks the question because he's true. And when we're exposed to truth, it makes us feel bad. But here's a scripture for you. Godly grief leads us to Repentance. Godly grief Feeling bad about your sin Is not a bad thing That's a beautiful thing The moment you stop feeling bad about it Is you're in some kind of confusion But when you feel that grief in you We're supposed to say Oh I ate that fruit That's on me I did exactly what you told me not to do But Adam has the most tricky Most deceitful form of confession It's a pseudo confession brother This is what he says He said the woman that you gave to me She tricked me. Oh, and I ate. You see how it's tricky? Because he confessed that he ate. But it was after he blamed his circumstances. That's not confession. That's self-justification. That's trying to make God happy. I wouldn't have if. That's not true confession. The woman does the same thing. That serpent... She tricked. He tricked me. Oh, and I ate. I wouldn't have though. You know what they're doing? They're actually blaming God. If the tree hadn't been here, if the woman hadn't been here, and if the snake hadn't been here. You know what you want? You don't want. Here's the, you know how to fix sin. You ready for it? Here, I've got the solution to fixing all the problems in America. Y'all ready? It's gonna blow your mind. The way to fix all the problems in America, all the problems in the world, is if if God fixed it today, you would wake up and look outside, and there'd be no more humans on the planet. There it is. You don't get to blame anybody. You don't get to point fingers. And it was at this pseudo-confession that God could not perform the healing. He could only perform a partial healing, not a full, whole healing. A whole healing is that, okay, we're going to take those leaves off of you and you're gonna go back to the original state which you were and you're gonna abide with me here. I'm, I'm not gonna wipe you off the planet because you did confess, albeit it was a pseudo-confession, but I can't make you whole. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna clothe you with the skins of animals. I'm gonna clothe you with what I choose. But that's not the way I designed it. That's not what I wanted. But I can't do the full thing for you because you didn't completely confess. You gave me partial confession. So it's only going to be a partial healing. And so they are not annihilated off the planet, but they're cursed and they're evicted from the pleasing place. They're not pleasing anymore. They made themselves coverings. They hid themselves. The relationship before shame was vulnerable. It was honest. It was transparent. Now it's covered up. It's hidden. It's trying to look better. Humanity ended up in this, question, in this situation by a simple question. And when God asked, where are you? No confession. You see, this becomes a family trait because right outside the garden, we don't even get partial confession. Cain and Abel. God comes to him. Notice the grace of God that Abel offers a better sacrifice. And God doesn't appreciate Cain's sacrifice. But God, you're like, well, man, that's mean. That's not fair. What about the God that comes to Cain and says, Cain, I noticed that your countenance has fallen. Is everything okay? And Cain starts to lament. And he says, well, don't you know that if you do well, you also will be accepted? That's a gracious God to come and sit with me to analyze. He knows that I'm bothered by something. And then he comes and says, let me teach you how to get it right. I don't love your brother any more than you. I just appreciate his sacrifice more than yours. You just, I've noticed that you're, I'm coming to help you out. And rather than hear that gracious God, something triggered in his mind. God doesn't love me. He loves my brother more. And so the way to fix this is i got to get you out of the picture so that you'll only have me and you'll love me more than him. I'm going to make you like me. He kills his brother, and God says, where's your brother? He's asking a question, seeking confession. And he says, am I my brother's keeper? It's not even partial confession there. It's not even partial no healing. He gets cast further from the pleasing place. And generation after generation after generation, that's self-justifying and lying. Cain's great, 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 great grandson, Lamech, says, you know what? God healed. God, God avenged my, my, my great, great, great grandfather for killing a man. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll kill a man and God will avenge me 77-fold. Now they're abusing the grace of God. You see how bad the society is getting. All of this leads up to, this is the background to the aforementioned atonement sacrifice God said I want this fixed I want you back here with me Moses come here I want you to build a little micro Eden remember I had the garden in in Eden there was a garden there was Eden and then there was the outer courts I want you to build a little micro version of that I want an outer court an inner court and a holy of holies okay I'm gonna build a micro Eden yeah I'm gonna show you there's gonna be a tree at the end of it that's gonna be dead but when you put the tree in that most holy place it'll bear fruit it's gonna be <ésh> later, man, my little micro garden. How do I get into the micro garden? Here's how. I want you to take a spotless lamb that never did anything wrong. I want you to take that lamb that is perfect, it's meek, it's lowly, it never bit anybody, never hurt anybody, and it's willing to be a sacrifice. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a knife, I want you to slit his throat, and I want you to pour the blood out on the south side of the altar. Well, that's not fair, God. I know it's not, but it's just. I want you to pour that blood out, and I want you to take that same knife, and I want you to split his stomach open you to pull the guts out. Well, God, that's a little embarrassing. That's, we're, I mean, we're supposed to represent you in the wilderness in front of the Canaanites, I know, but they're only going to see my love through this process. I want you to pull those guts out. Alright, God, I want you to wash them with water. Okay, I want you to take that knife and I want you to take off all the animal skins and I want you to lay it bare. Take the animal skins, throw it out into the wilderness. I don't want those coverings anymore. Do you think that it is just random chance that God designed this process and it's the same animal skins that he covered Adam and Eve with he's now saying take them off take off all of those animal skins and come to me naked again come before me with no pretenses don't pretty it up don't doctor it up make it ugly and he strips that animal cuts off the legs and he's covered in blood it's gruesome it's gritty he says now wash at the laver of water I'm gonna wash off all of the gritty the ugly and the gross but don't forget leave that altar bloody and then they come and they would wash at the laver of water then they would go in to the holy of holies and they would bring the guts from the sacrifice and they would put it upon that, that altar and it would rise as a sweet smelling altar offering unto God why the guts? because no guts, no glory you can't get to the glory of God unless you're willing to come here and do all of this what does that mean in practicality brother Holloway here's what we do, we come here with a knife that's polished pretty but dull, we don't have by the way the knife according to Hebrews is the word of God, that sword that's quick and powerful it's not talking about a battle sword it's in context of a high priest it's the fillet knife that's carving your carcass and it's removing your animal skins it's laying you bare that word of god is carving you it's cutting out the inward parts and it's laying you before him and it's showing all of your attitudes it's showing your gross mentalities but here's what we do we come into the house of god we come into prayer meetings and we do this father forgive me for i am a sinner let me me lift up let me lift up my chin I am a sinner that's not confession y'all true biblical confession is coming in here and saying God I have a porn addiction that is embarrassing though isn't it God I am so eat up with insecurities that when I'm in a conversation with somebody, I have to manipulate the conversation to steer it in a direction to where I can contribute to the conversation because I'm so insecure. I can't just listen to people, I have to control. You see what I'm saying? That's true confession. When you come in and you say, God, this is what I am. I'm taking off all of the pretenses. I I would rather, God would rather you come before him ugly and just be what you are before him and tell him this is what I am because when you do that that's when wholeness can come into our midst that's when a healing can come it's not come as you are and leave as you are it's come and tell me what you are and I'll change it I'll transform it I can't do it though unless you tell me everything you see we're, we're doctoring up and we're making church pretty and I don't know what happened in the past two decades that I've been alive that I've been watching this happen that I've been alive and in a aware enough to see I used to be raised on people coming in and it was ugly church man it was not pretty church it wasn't polished it wasn't all put together it was this this ugly church where I would watch people come fall on an altar and they would weep and they would just cover the altars with snot and it was embarrassing and people would be like man that's a weird church that's supposed to be what it's like it's where people of God come in and they just say, "God, I am so eat up with pride. God, I just I I want to be at the front of everything. I want everybody to see me." I recognize that. And God, it hurts me to say this to you, but here it is. I can't lie in your presence. You will be made whole if you can really come into the house of God in a prayer meeting and lift up those hands and say, "God, this is what I am. I'm ashamed of it." But God, I somehow believe that if I show it to you, the one who became the sacrifice, you'll make me one with you. If I can take the animal carcasses off and come back to you laid bare. God is looking for ugly saints. He wants us to be ugly again. We've got this Instagram stuff. You, you understand, like, I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense to me, Brother Williams, that we, we come into the house of God and we have to clean ourselves up before we get to God. You have lost what God is. His blood washes us. That's like going four-wheeler riding, getting covered in mud, going through a cow pasture. You don't know if some of it's mud or cow manure. You just know it all looks alike, and you're covered in it, and you come to the shower, and you say... Oh, mighty, powerful, cleansing unit of shower. Let me go hose off first. Let me pre-clean before I clean. That's the purpose of that unit is to clean you. But we do it with God. We come in and we say, hold on, God. And all the while, we're cleaning the house It's like, imagine you had a big house, and right in the middle of your living room is a big trash bag filled with poop. And it's just all in your house, and you're out there, and you're like, okay, to make make the house presentable, let's go clean the shutters. Let's go repaint the outside and let's make sure that the front door, I want everybody that drives by this house to see how pretty it is and to look at it and look like it should be on HGTV magazine and I wanted to have the prettiest house. I'm going to repaint the shutters and I'm going to clean out the gutters all the while God's looking at you and saying, that's nice. Uh, It's real cool you got the outside all pretty, but you have ignored the pile of manure in your living room. How do I get rid of it? tell me See, here's the thing about God that nobody's been telling you God told us that in the when we're raptured out of here he's gonna make us recline at table and he's gonna come he's gonna put on a servant's robe and come and serve us I don't know about you that makes me deeply uncomfortable because I'm so hardwired to serve him I don't know how to compartmentalize that God's gonna look at me and say calm down Martha just sit right here I'm gonna serve you today no no God I don't want no did I not tell you that if I don't wash your your feet and wash your hands that you will have no part in me let me serve you you need to let God come into this room and when you say God this is what I am you have to have a revelation that he's gonna grab a towel and start washing it away he's gonna start removing all of that And he goes oh you have pride oh thank you for telling me I'm not mad at you I understand mankind and I realize that you are but dust I know your origins I know I was in the world don't you forget that I was tempted of every manner of temptation I understand I'm not a high priest that's not moved by the feelings of your infirmity I realize this I will help you with it but the only way I can help you is if you confess it you see you've got poison in your system and the only way to get it out of your body is out of your mouth and you're going to have to stand up and say God this is what I am this is what I'm struggling with this is who I am but we come in here and we're trying to pretty it up we present that we got it all together I don't, who has bewitched us to make us think that? Did you start? You having started in the spirit, are you now trying to end in the flesh? You can't pretty yourself up. The prettiest thing about me and you is when God's going to look at us and say, Ah, oh, I see my spirit. I see my blood covering it. I don't want an Instagram altar, I don't want false pretenses. I just want to come to him and be honest with him and say, God, this is what A.J. Holloway's dealing with. To prove this to you, David sleeps with Bathsheba. Now, go and read it chronologically. David already has a psalm that he has already written that he says, I will not look upon a virgin. He has already said that. I will not look upon a woman. He's already written that psalm. That's in his repertoire. That's his standard. That's what he's painted the outside of the house with. And then he goes out and he sees out of a window Bathsheba bathing. And he looks at her and he goes, oh man, that's a good looking woman. I gotta do whatever I gotta do to have her. And he takes her. And when he does, he falls into a grave sin. Listen to David's prayer meeting in Psalm 51, verse 1. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions wash me thoroughly from my iniquity cleanse me from my sin for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight do you hear that he's not blaming Bathsheba he's not blaming the window he's not blaming the circumstances he came into prayer and he said this one's on me God I messed up, I did it this is my sin, this is my transgression all of this is laid before me Lord I did this to you this hits different when Paul tells us I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, you know what that means that means you got to pull off the animal skins and say here's my inward parts here's what I am, I am addicted to Netflix, I can't even read my Bible because I'm not entertained by it, I'm more entertained by media. God, I am the most divisive person in the church. I run my mouth more than anybody in this whole church but I have put on a good show when I come to church so that nobody will know it but I've destroyed and run off more guests because I am so divisive. Why don't you just say that stuff? Why don't you just come and let him know? He knows it already. He just needs to know you know it because he's not confused about your geography. He asks you where you are to know if you know where you are so that when you confess he can make us whole. He can take a Gossiper and teach them how to preach the gospel he can take a porn addict and turn them into the bride of Christ with purity He can take the most filthy vile sinners the drug addict He said I can turn you into the right addict He can transform it if you confess but you're gonna have to learn how to take off all those pretenses And if you're sitting here thinking well brother Holloway, I've already confessed I am spotless Then you are a liar because the Bible says he that says there's no sin in him He is a liar you have to confess That you aren't perfect right now God hasn't made you the glorified version That you will be Here in this moment you still have sin And if you say you have no sin in you What you need to repent of is lying Halloway, I've been in church my whole life. Awesome. I'll give you a ribbon after service, but I'll also give an indictment to you that if you think that your untainted attendance record is because is your validation to draw closer to God, then I'll tell you that you don't understand true confession and you're trying to put on leaves of attendance to make him like you more. What he likes is honest saints God is not afraid of the gruesome detailed bloody altar of David David got new covenant, but it doesn't end there listen to the rest of David's prayer Psalm 51 6 he says behold you desire truth from the inward parts and the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom listen to verse 16 you do not desire sacrifice if you did I would give it You do not delight in burnt offerings, the sacrifices of God. Are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, oh God, you won't despise. Did you hear what David said? He said, God, if I would, if you would accept this animal, I would do it. But I see that that's not what you really want. You desire truth from my inward parts, and the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. When I come before Him and I lift up my hands with a broken spirit, and I say, God, I am a filthy rank sinner. I will never be worthy enough to come before before you the spotless lamb and he says that's very true so what I'll do is I'll become your substitute I'll stand in your place and I'll take the penalty you deserve so that you can come near me you realize that you have a great advocate the word advocate means that you have a lawyer who is testifying on your behalf and he's going into the courtroom and he's saying don't say a word other than you did it that's all I need you to do is tell the courtroom what you did but here's what I'll do you deserve eternity without parole but here's what I'll do If you confess to the crime... I will do the time because I can get eternity reduced to three days if you'll let me stand on your behalf I will go to the grave on your behalf and I will wash all that away but not only that the crime scene where you had your fingers all over the crime scene it's always going to be traced back to you and if you give me pseudo confession the adversary is always going to track these fingerprints back to you because he's a good investigator he's the accuser of the brethren he is the one who opposes but here's what I'll do I will spill my blood all over that crime scene and I'll cover all your fingerprints up so that if the devil comes looking for you he'll find me and he can't come into this house because I'm the stronger one I am the strong man in this house now so that when he comes knocking on the door of your soul I'm going to open the door and say nope there's one stronger than you in this house now because this one confessed to me and I spilled my blood all over the crime scene I don't know what other gospel is going to attract you I don't know if you want me miracles and signs and wonders but this is the greatest sign that has ever been given to mankind because now my my guilt my shame is completely washed away you can keep the miracles you can keep all that I've already had a miraculous healing because my mind is whole my spirit is made one with his that's the greatest miracle on earth I'll take miracles I'll take signs and wonders but they all flow from the blood every one of them miracles flow From the transformed whole human. You know how you're going to start operating in different spirit realms? It's when you're made whole. Musicians, get ready. Brother Williams, I live this. I had this revelation. Let me just confess to y'all because the Bible tells us to confess your faults one to another. And let me just confess to you I want to be liked, I'm words of affirmation. I, I know my nature. I know that I can present what is likable and what is good. And it bled into my prayer meetings until after my son passed away. After seven months of not praying, all I did was read my Bible for eight hours a day because I told God, I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say, so I need you to talk. And for seven months, he talked through my Bible time. After seven months, I went right back into that prayer meeting, and I prayed like I had always prayed. And God stopped me and He said, What are you doing, son? I said, Well, I'm I'm praying. He said, Yeah, but you're praying like you've always prayed. I said, Well, what's wrong with that? He said, Why aren't you telling me the things that you want to say? This is what well, this is the dialect that's happening. And I said, God, I can't say to you the things that I want to say. Because I'm upset. I'm I'm mad, God. My, I've lived for you. I've served you. I was on a three-day fast the morning my son died. God, I've given myself completely over to this gospel. And God spoke to me and said, that's what I wanted to hear. That's what I wanted to hear. He said, it hurts my heart that you think I'm not big enough to take it. Who do you think God is? You? You think he's going to get insecure? When you come to him and tell, you, tell him that you're worried about some stuff, that you're battling some things, if that's the case, you would never get any psalms. Do you know what psalms are? It's songs of lament. Not all of them. A lot of them are songs of lament. Go study Samuel and look at David. Boy, he's getting spears thrown at him, and he is rock solid, and he's a man, and he's not bothered by anything. But then you go read his prayer life. And you're like... Man, that can't be the same, David. Somehow David left the laments and he was made whole when he left it in the prayer room. And he said, there, I've gotten it off my chest and I've told the only one that can fix it. And he came out and he was transformed. He was made whole out in public. And everybody looked at him and said, boy, you got it together. And he's like, oh, if you only was in my psalm. And I'm so thankful God published those psalms because I'm healed by them. Just last year, just to continue this trend, I was in prayer and I was outside and I was just walking around our property and I was praying and I said, God I have a confession I need to make to you I want heaven more than anything But God here's the truth I want Levi more than you Oh God You see you're still hiding If that just made you gasp You're not living where I'm living I said God I want Levi more than you I don't know how, God, when you bring me into those pearly gates, I don't know how. In my mind, I can't see it. How I can run past Levi. You understand, I'm, my, 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 in, my, my DNA is faithfulness. That's the way God designed me. And to walk right past Levi, him standing here, you got to imagine how it is in my hand. Levi's here, and he's got his hands out. And I look at him and say, hold on, son. And I go and wrap my arms around the Lord. I don't know how to do that. And I said, God, I want Levi more than you. And I know I'm supposed to want you more. I don't know how. Did you know that revelation comes through honesty? Because God spoke to me right then and there, and He said, oh, Thank you, son. What else is on your heart? I said, I want to want you more. I want to, but I don't know how. Teach me. And just like that, He wasn't mad. There was no bolt of lightning from heaven. He spoke to me this and he said, why is he here? And immediately I had revelation. I said, he's there because of you. He said, that's how you can want me more. And I made up my mind. I said, okay, God, because of that. I can walk past Levi for a moment because of you I get him for eternity I can, I can wrap my head around that thank you for the revelation thank you for not being mad at me and he said son why would I be mad at your honesty towards me that's what I can work with so I don't know what you're hiding I don't know what you're battling with I don't know if you're a guest here today I don't know if you have been somebody that's walked away because the church hurts you and now you're trying and you're putting your toe in the water and you're back today I don't know your circumstances but if you're here I know this one true fact that if I will confess my sins according to John he is faithful and just to forgive me all of my sins but did you hear it if I will confess all you have to do is stand up and every one of us should today if you're still sitting there with your hands down and not confession I will tell you right now with boldness you're a liar but all of us should stand up and lift our hands and say God this is is what I'm dealing with. I am deeply insecure. My faith has been hindered. I don't want to filter anything out. I don't want to move this. I'm not trying to be pretty. In fact, I want a whole family of believers to come to this altar right now. Every one of us. And I want you to throw those hands up. And I want there to be a true altar here today. It should be ugly. It should be snot filled. There should be tears. You should just lift up your hands and say, God, don't hide it though. Don't say, God, I'm a sinner or God I'm not good no you tell him everything tell him the details you tell him your addiction you tell him husbands tell him that you've had thoughts of adultery wives tell him that you've been angry and you've wanted to leave your husband tell him those things confess it God is trying to bring us back to basics this week. He's trying to show us the most powerful thing on this earth, and that's His gospel. He's trying to show us to get back to the reading of the Word. He's trying to get us back to where we belong. He's calling the church back to Eden right now, and it's a simple way to get back. All you have to do is take off all of the pretenses and come before Him. Why do you think our Lord and Savior was hanged on a cross and He was not wearing a little robe? He was up there naked for the whole world to see because He he became the sacrifice for us. He was the lamb that was skinned and up there on that cross he was not ashamed he was not embarrassed he was changing the world through his death and so right now if you offer your body a living sacrifice that entails taking all of it off show him the ugly show him all of that